Two teenagers are dead following a vehicle accident at a Fayetteville intersection where the driver was only 15 years old. In Bladen County, a fleeing suspect does not get far. Could a porch post be involved? And look, up in the air, it's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a police drone. These stories and more on Episode 10 of Crime Time on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and Crime Reporter Nancy McCleary, I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. Two teenagers are dead following a vehicle accident that happened about 9 p.m. on Monday, April 2nd at the intersection of Southeastern Boulevard and East Russell Street in downtown Fayetteville. A 15-year-old was driving, say police. 18-year-old Asia Boca died at UNC Hospitals in Chapel Hill on Tuesday, April 3rd from injuries suffered in the accident. 17-year-old Moses Jackson died on the night of the accident at Cape Fear Valley Medical Center. As we welcome Nancy McCleary to Crime Time to tell us more about the circumstances involved in this ride gone tragically wrong. Cumberland County Sheriff's Lieutenant um, Sean Swain said the incident began when a Cumberland County deputy who was driving on Russell Street toward um, Eastern Boulevard uh, observed this uh, Kia vehicle um, speeding and it ran a red light. He was stopped at Old Wilmington Road and the car ran a red light. The deputy turned on his blue lights and went after him to stop him for that. Um, after a circuitous route in and around um, Old Wilmington Road and Cypress Manor um, housing area, the Kia came back onto Russell Street and went toward Eastern Boulevard, um, I believe ran another red light, and crashed into another vehicle at the intersection. Um, the two people who are deceased were thrown from the vehicle on impact. Um, the driver of the other vehicle, a Hyundai, had um, injuries that were not life-threatening. Um, the 15-year-old, once the wreck had happened, he jumped out of the car and ran away, but they got him about a quarter of a mile away. From your reporting, Nancy, does it seem to be a case of teenagers out for a joy ride, just everything went wrong? Have authorities mentioned anything about alcohol or drugs? Nothing um, has been mentioned about that. Um, the sheriff's office has actually charged the driver with a juvenile petition. Um, and he's charged with speeding to elude arrest. Fayetteville police are investigating the wreck because it did happen in the city limits. Um, and any charges related to the wreck will be filed by the police. As I understand it, they are likely to consult with District Attorney Billy West um, to determine what charges would be um, filed under the circumstances. And Our- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, um, because I've been asked this question quite a lot, <laughs> but no, I do not know as of yet who owns the car. Um, that's one of the big questions that remains. And uh, the identity of the 15-year-old, is that uh, public? Well, no, it's not, because he is a juvenile. Um, therefore, his name is not 
being released, and that is why he's charged through juvenile petitions. Really a, a, a tragic situation, and, and we'll see how this plays out. Well, our next story, hey, who put that post there, Nancy? That may have been what was going through the mind of a drug suspect in Elizabethtown in Bladen County on Wednesday, April 4th. Well, with that tease, I must hear the details behind this arrest. Okay, this is really one for the books. Um, Apparently, Bladen County deputies went to a home on Blanche Street in Elizabethtown um, to make an arrest. And as they approached the house, Randolph Eugene Miller walked out the front door as if he was leaving. And, of course, Miller was not the person, as I understand it, that deputies were going to arrest, correct? No, he was not. Um, but Sheriff James McVicker said that officers could smell marijuana on Miller when he walked out. When Miller was asked to empty his pockets, because as I understand it, he had, you could tell he had some stuff mm-hmm. in his pockets. Um, well, Mr. Miller just decided not to stick around and he took off. And so a big chase ensued, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> sort of. Well, no, not even really. Um, <laughs> According to Major Larry Guyton, when Miller took off, he was on the front porch, and as he took off, he looked back at the deputies who were following him, and he ran smack into a front front porch post, knocking him down. And that, of course, ended his fleeing attempt. (laughs) Not very long on the lamb there. No, he was not. Um, deputies were able to um, to detain Mr. Miller and take him into custody, but not before a struggle in which a deputy's finger was broken. Well, you you, you know, you really can't beat those eight-foot police chases. Miller was arrested on several drug charges along with assault with a deadly weapon on a government employee resisting arrest and communicating threats. Miller's bail was increased to $500,000 on Thursday, April 5th, after he was charged with being an habitual felon. Our next story, Nancy, a Fayetteville woman is accused of lying to authorities about the location of a registered sex offender who was hiding in the attic of her home at the time, according to an arrest warrant in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. 26-year-old Bianca Lachey Page, who lives on Dumfries Drive, was charged Wednesday, April 4th with withholding information from or failing to notify law enforcement about a sex offender's noncompliance with sex registry laws. Fill us in on this case, Nancy. Um, On Sunday, April 1st, the deputies from the Cumberland County Sheriff's Office went to Bianca Page's Page's home to locate Clayton Allen Page, who was living at the residence. Clayton Page was wanted for violating the sex offender registry by failing to report a change of address, according to arrest warrants. Bianca Page, or I'm sorry, but yeah, Bianca Page told deputies he was not there, um, but all the time he was hiding in the attic. Um, Bianca Page is accused of failing to notify the sheriff's office that Clayton Page was living at her home, which was in 1,000 feet of a child care center. That also is a violation of the sex offender registry. And Clayton Page was arrested and charged with several offenses, including breaking and entering to terrorize, violating domestic violence protective orders, and a probation violation. Bianca Page was arrested and bail was set. 
$5,000. And let me just update this real quickly. Okay, please do. Um, Mr. Page was charged today, Thursday, with violating the sex offender registry by living within 1,000 feet of a daycare center. And I forget what his bail is, but it's $20,000 more now. Okay. We'll see how that story plays out. A couple of story updates we want to bring you. In Episode 9 of Crime Time, we noted that uh, police were looking for Reginald Jamal McDowell on charges of first-degree murder and first-degree kidnapping in the 2014 death of Meta Valentine. Uh, Nancy, do you know if McDowell has been found during this uh, week? Not to my knowledge, but authorities have said they believe he is in the New York City area. Um, When this investigation began... Um, McDowell initially cooperated, but he stopped and disappeared. Valentine had not been seen since October 28, 2014, when surveillance video showed her walking to her apartment in the Sycamore Sycamore Park complex off Old Wilmington Road. She was reported missing the next day when she failed to show for a family event. And the other case we talked about last week involved a Cumberland County man who was accused of multiple sex acts involving a minor and his girlfriend who is charged with multiple counts of obstructing justice. Let's start with Ernest Dean Alderidge, Nancy, who is charged with second-degree forcible rape, forced sex offenses, taking indecent liberties with a minor, and statutory rape. Nancy, you were at his first appearance hearing on Monday, April 2nd, before Judge Tal Baggett set the scene for us. Mr. Aldridge appeared in the courtroom. He appeared agitated and fidgety while he was standing there um, facing Judge Baggett. Judge Baggett read the list of charges and the maximum sentence for each charge. Um, And the whole time, Mr. Aldridge was shifting his weight, leaning on the table with his arms propped up on the table. At one point, he crossed his arms and rolled his eyes. or shook his head or appeared to smile. Um, One of the uh, more interesting exchanges uh, between Judge Baggett and Aldridge took place when Judge Baggett was reading the list of charges and the maximum sentence for each charge. Now, now the state has gone to using sentences uh, or in months rather than years. So, So the judge would say 72 months instead of six years. Correct. And a couple of these charges had like 205 months. Um, Okay, I don't know that one. (laughs) (laughs) But at any rate, at at some point during this conversation, Judge Judge Baggett asked Aldridge if he understood the length of time that he would possibly be facing um, if he is convicted. And Aldridge said he was not very good at mathematics, um, that he really didn't know because Judge ba- when Judge Baggett told him to divide by 12, mm-hmm. he said he wasn't very good at mathematics, to which Judge Baggett replied that Mr. Aldridge would have ample time to uh, figure it all out while he was in jail. All right. Well, there you go. The alleged acts covered a period from August 2017 to January involved a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old, according to the warrants. Aldridge's bail is now $2 million. Aldridge told the judge the allegations are false. Nancy, as far as Aldridge's girlfriend, who's also involved in this case, Ruby Keener, what happened to her? Ruby Keener's first appearance was held the same day as Aldridge. Um, Aldridge's and she 
is charged with multiple counts of obstructing justice, felony child abuse, and misdemeanor contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Basically, she is charged with not reporting the acts allegedly committed by Mr. Aldridge, even though she was aware of them. Her bail was set at almost $1.4 million. Mm. Some high bail there. Mm. Serious charges for both. We'll see how that plays out in court. Well, you know, to wrap it up, Nancy, uh, you may see something in the air here these days involving the Fayetteville Police Department. They've uh, had their drone program now for, uh, oh, about about a year or so. And uh, what, what caused them uh, to start the drone program? Well, many law enforcement agencies today are, are going to the use of drones which can be helpful in particular situations, such as locating missing people, um, patrolling, monitoring crowds at large events. Um, And I think that might be one reason that they went ahead and got these two drones. Um, Now, they have been in use since May 2017 when the department received approval for the um, from the FAA Federal Aviation Administration to go ahead and set up an aviation unit and use the drones. These drones are to be operated within a departmental policy, which is available on their website at FayettevillePTC.com, um, and they are also to follow Federal Aviation Administration guidelines. They are not to be used for any kind of so-called spying, which I understand a lot of people have have questioned. But Chief Gina Hawkins um, says they will be used. uh, There are two drones. One will be used for large events, and the other one will be used to help find fleeing suspects, um, uh, missing people, help to photograph crime scenes for complex air crimes that are committed well you know we saw just uh oh, a couple of weeks ago we talked about it here on the crime time podcast i think it was in moore county yeah where they used a drone to help find a missing child and everything turned out safe so there are some advantages i do understand people's concern with it with the spying and sure, all that sure but uh, but they can be very useful uh, let me say one more thing um because i'm sure people may be wondering but the drones cost uh the cost to the department was under $100,000, according to Chief Hawkins. And that money uh, came out of drug forfeiture money. So basically, people who got caught with drugs, they actually paid for it. So in a, in a, I, I guess in, in a way, it, it was free, quote unquote. Quote unquote. Uh, but anyway, well, that's that's a good use of the drug forfeiture money. And, uh, and, and you never know when something like that can come in handy. Of course, we'll certainly be watching it to make sure it's not misused. That's always a concern as well. Well, Nancy, I believe that's going to wrap it up. Can you believe episode 10? That's it for episode 10 of Crime Time. Feel free to spread the word about this weekly podcast on fayobserver.com. Also join Jacqueline Shambaugh and me for the 910 Preps podcast. It's posted on Monday nights. We'll talk about high school sports in Cumberland counties, hence the name Preps Podcast. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. You can reach Nancy McCleary by email at nmcleary at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fomcleary. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fosonnyjones. Again, thanks so much for listening. 
Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.